Hello, everybody. We're back with another episode of the None Other Fuck You Mentality. I don't know what the fuck else you'd be watching if you were listening to this episode. I, I love that this is my, my new, like, starter. Uh, my best friend, Taylor, she was like, y'all, you need to get, like, the audio that they put on before they start the podcast. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what I would want it to say. So now I figured it out. So that's really exciting. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have yet another individual that I know specifically from social media but it's kind of funny because this is actually our really our first time speaking or even like really seeing each other. Um, but she was actually referred to me from a good friend of mine. Her name is Meg. And she put me in contact with this, this person. Um, we were just talking to like different people that she felt would align with the fuck you mentality and is an honest and raw uh, person in this space. Um, so you guys probably know who she is. I'm going to be I'm going to be funny. I actually did not know 100% who she was. There's a whole group of people that I did not know who they were. Um, so without without further ado, I'm going to let her introduce herself. So who the hell are you? What's going on? What are you doing? And how's life? What's going on? <laughs> Hello, I'm Bailey Lavender. I am well known on TikTok, I guess you could say, is where I have majority of my platform based out of. And I do um, Salon from Hell skits about my, my life within the hair industry. Salon from hell. I didn't realize it was called that. Salon from hell skits. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people are into like the Karen skits and stuff, but mine is more of like the back end of what goes on when you're in the break room or the horrible like salon owners or the horrible uh, coworkers that you have that you have to deal with. And mine's that portion of the industry. Okay. So mm -hmm. Bailey and I were talking about this before we actually got into the onto the call so I, I i'm not on the skit side so i i mm -hmm. wasn't really like i wasn't brought into the industry from the skit side of the world but i found i didn't i just learned this from bailey these situations that she specifically creates skits on are actual skits that have happened in her life yes it is true story. A lot of people think that I just kind of pull it out of thin air. These are true situations that have happened that I wish I could have said in a different way. So, you know, like when you're in the shower and you're like, I wish I would have said that instead. That's a better comeback. That's what I started this as. It's just kind of therapeutic getting out what I wish I would have said. And it just kind of took off from there and flourished. I, of course, had started with like the Karen skits that I feel like a lot of people do. And I got I had molded my clientele to the point where I don't have Karens anymore. So I ran out of like, of the work to be able to p post on social media. So I was like, let me talk about what I really feel like is important to some of these younger stylists or other stylists that feel like they're the only ones that have gone through it and be able to relate that way. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what, I guess I have to know, like what got you into doing skits? Uh, so I actually was in theater for eight years. Um, and then when COVID shut everything down, I got bored. So I downloaded TikTok, um, started seeing some of the super well-known creators I that do a lot of skits within the hair industry or not. And I was like, let me just have fun. Let me just start posting stuff. And it was never meant to take off and create a platform in, of any way, shape or form. But then it kind of got the ball rolling. Um, within that, I continuously was getting messages on Instagram saying, hey, this has helped my mental health. I've left a toxic work environment. I finally had the courage to say that enough is enough. You made me realize that this is a horrible environment, that this isn't normal, blah, blah, blah. And that's what kind of drove me to continue pushing and 
continue putting my story out there. So it it was just like a your love your innate love for like theatrics mm-hmm. and 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 performing essentially that propelled this success. Yeah, because I'm dramatic as hell. So yes, <laughs> more reason for me just to be dramatic, and I loved it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so I I have to ask too. Like, do you still take clients full time? Like, what is that? What is that dynamic? So I am in a suite now by myself. So I don't have a boss to deal with anymore. And so I still take clients four days out of the week. Um, and then I don't double book or triple book myself. I cut that out a few years ago just because it was overwhelming to me. And so while clients are processing is when I'm filming content. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so are you, are you I, doing I it in front people... of them? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Some of them are like, this is what you need to say. And so some of my content is like what they are like, this is what you should have said in that instance. Because we'll talk about what is going on in the skit. Because a lot of my clients watch my stuff. And at first I was super embarrassed and I blocked a lot of them. I was like, I don't want you seeing this. This is embarrassing. But then, because it was Karen stuff. And I was like, I don't want y'all to feel as though I'm talking crap about you. Because it was never any of my current clients, ones that had I kicked out with the ones I was filming about. But once I realized that, those clients aren't the ones in my chair. And a lot of even my clients that aren't in the industry were relating with what I was saying. It's like, I'm going to unblock you. You can watch the series and then have your own input of this is what's happened to me. I wish I could have said this. And I'm like, I'm going to take that saying I like it. So you you've now included your clientele into your not shit talking skits, but your shit talking skits. That is yes. incre- that's and incredible. They love it. That's incredible. Yes. I've had a few people because I would forget a tripod or something at home. And I've had a few people hold my phone for me and film it. Yeah. Stop it. That and is so funny. It. Yes. <laughs> it, it feels really weird at first, but then every time you kind of get used to it. So now, now you have this incredible platform. I, I wanted to talk about this too, because uh, I feel like this is a pretty hot topic right now in the industry. You built this incredible platform. Like you have this incredible clientele. You built this incredible platform. How many followers right now do you have on TikTok? Currently, one point four million. What the hell do you do with one point one point four million followers? What do you do with that? Now I'm not. I'm not gonna I am that. still trying to. Yeah. No, I'm trying like, to wrap my head around it because it's it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, I. The I didn't really understand the amount of people I had because I don't try to look at that and be boastful in any way, shape, or form. But this past weekend, I was at America's Beauty Show. And I was with some really well-known creators that have a ton more of a following than I do. But I had people coming up to me with tears running down their face, so excited to meet me. And they're like, you are such a huge inspiration. You're the reason I got into cosmetology, blah, blah, blah. And that is when it hit me of how big of an impact just simply social media can be. Mm-hmm. I never realized how you laying in bed at night, scrolling through your phone, getting to know these people. Like, I feel like I know you because I've followed you for a while now where I feel like I know you really well because I have watched you. And I'm laying in bed at night and just kind of scrolling and got to know your story through the years. Right. Well, first it's funny of all, how that happens. I can't believe that you. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, I cannot believe that you 
have been following me for a while and I just now have followed you. <laughs> That's my fault. No, don't feel worried about it. <laughs> my my kind of like growth, it happened very quickly. Um, I I came out of like left field where a lot of people don't even realize that I'm actually a real life hairstylist. A lot of people think that I'm just doing skits about hairstylists and that I'm not actually a part of this career. So I completely understand what other hairstylists or people in general, like, I don't know you. Right. I mean, and, and to be honest too, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you were still practicing. I thought that you were just full-time yeah. content creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is one thing I want to start focusing on soon is actually filming my work or me doing my work um, and starting posting that more often. I think I just got in such a rhythm that I forgot people may actually want to see what you do behind the chair and not just you bitching about it. Maybe, yeah. I mean, hell, I mean, if it works, you never it works. know. You never know. Exactly. Um. Wow, that's so. That's so. So, do you do you get clients from social media, despite the fact that like your design isn't necessarily like that? Um, a hundred percent of my clientele, other than family, is from social media. Wow. Even like even with like the yeah. skits and stuff like that. Always, and that is what like took my my business off. I have always been social media based of like Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing, building my clientele since starting in the industry. Um, but of course, I still had a few pockets to feel of where people would fall off or I'd gain extra day or something like that. Weird low uh, traffic season. But since social media, since TikTok, my my book has never gone thin. I have now had to cut my book off for the time being with me traveling because I can't get any more clients in. Wow. Because it, that's, that's one thing that I don't agree with is some people want to come to me purely for my personality mm-hmm. and because they relate with me online. And I'm like, hold on. I want you to know what my, what my specialty is. I want you to know that I'm the best person for your hair. And that's why I require consultations prior to even booking a color appointment with me because what if I'm not the best person for you? What if there's someone better in the area that specializes in what you're asking for? I'd rather you go to them. That's that's exactly how I personally run my books as well. It's not about, like, I, I love that people want to sit in our chairs because we're funny or yes. that we're, we look the way that they, you know, that they like or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But ultimately, that if our energies don't align, I love that you love me. I love that you want to support me, but it's just, it's not going to be good fit. And ultimately it's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. It's going to leave a bad taste in our mouth. And the next thing you know, we might get some fucking hate video on TikTok. Like, oh, fuck this stylist. She didn't do what I wanted her to do. And blah, 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 blah. Yes. It's like, but did you look at my work? Like I, I, I personally am a low maintenance blonde specialist. That's what I love. That's what my bread and butter is. Um, I don't do fantasy work, fantasy color. If, if I had this patience that some of these fantasy color specialists had, I would love to do it. My, my ADD can't take it. I can't have you in my chair for that long. And I know colors in my area who love doing it and they're amazing. So I refer out to them because I know that they're going to do a better job than what I can. Right. Exactly. That's it's, it's, I'm still just like wrapping my brain around the fact that like you built, I hope anyone who's listening to this understands mm-hmm. what I'm saying right now. You built a clientele, of course, like promoting that you're a hairdresser, no, like no shit, but oh, yeah. a lot of your, your following was built based off of who you are, not necessarily mm-hmm. what you offer. So yes. 
it it goes to show that social media isn't just this like selling point. It's about putting online who you are as an individual, you know, your day-to-day life, whatever the case may be, but you just so happen to do hair. Yeah. So I get, oh God, there's a bug. I get a lot of questions, you know, um, how do I promote myself? Like I, I can't get myself on social media da, 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 because a lot of hairdressers look at social media as it's just this portfolio. That's all it is. It's just a portfolio. When, when people come to us and they're like, how do I do it? And I was like, baby, I'm an internet personality. I'm not, I'm not just selling my work. I'm selling me, I'm, I'm my selling time. Me. Right. I'm selling who I am. Yes. Yeah. And the the thing I like to drive home with anybody who's listening and anybody who ever asks me these questions is people don't sit in your chair because of what you do. It's because of who you are. Yes. And ultimately, yes. Like we have to protect our peace and be really careful about who is sitting in our chair. But if the only thing that you're fixated on is just selling hair that I can't build you a clientele because anybody could do hair. I hate mm-hmm. to say that, but anybody can. Well, what the hell makes me any yeah. different from the next person? What makes me different from you? Mm-hmm. What can you produce? How do I feel comfortable with you? One of the kickstarting points of where I started to gain traction within my social media platform was I started talking about how I offer silent hair appointments for introverts or for people that have a lot going on in their world and they just don't want a moment to sit in quiet. That was the selling point where now I get tagged in videos all the time. It's like, you're trying to steal Bailey's idea. No, I'm glad that people, that that is now becoming more of a common thing because stylists are starting to talk about, this is who I am and this is what I offer. Not just what I can do, but what I can offer you for your mental health, as well as what I can produce on your hair. Because people want to sit in your chair and feel comfortable and safe and protected and that they're not only leaving with good hair, but a good headspace. Right, right. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you're touching on the mental health aspect because there's there's a lot of different avenues we can go down with this one, you know. Um, but I think the first one, and I really resonate with what you just said uh, with the whole protecting your peace thing. I think it's unfortunate that we live, we have a, a in a, a, oh God, I can't talk, an industry where <laughs> I'm like, uh, 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 uh. I do that all the time. Jesus. Ugh. We have, we, we're in an industry where it's people forward, you know, and God forbid you put yourself in, in that same position as people forward. Like I can put myself first and mm-hmm. I've seen, and I know that I probably, I've endured it. You've endured it. A lot of, a lot of us have where our entire career started with people forward, people pleasing, everybody else, everybody else, everybody else, everybody else gets, um, they get, they get precedent over our own self. And as mm-hmm. our industry has evolved, we've realized if I am empty and if I am not a hundred percent, I cannot give my clients this a hundred percent. And I'm finally seeing this in amazing shift. Whereas you just said it yourself. I do consultations, you know, in-depth consultations with these people before they're ever even able to book an appointment. And that's putting your mental health first. That's not even just, Mm -hmm. that's not even just like a hairstylist. That's just my mental health. Cause if you're going to fucking trigger me and piss me off, (laughs) I can't take you as a client. I just can't. Um, And I feel like our industry very, very, very slowly is finally 
making that shift that it's not about mm-hmm. people pleasing. It's now we're not a service industry. We're just not. I understand in, in some regard, sure, we are. But ultimately, we are providing a luxury experience, essentially, on top of a good a good service. But ultimately, it's the experience. It's the, it's the way that they feel. We're a feel-good industry. Mm-hmm. So we're finally kind of taking back the reins from the public. It's not just... I want my hair done. I want six foils and I want to be, I want to charge, be charged $20. It's, Hey, I I would like to get my hair serviced by you. And we come back with, Mm -hmm. okay, let's figure out how. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Because now when I talk to these baby stylists and when I have these like um, coaching calls with them, I ask them, what's your experience when your client walks in the door from the time that they come in to the time that they leave? Not just I don't because they throw their portfolio at me. Look what I can do. You can do amazing work, baby. You have done classes. You can do amazing work. What is your experience when your client comes in? What's the music like? Is it clean? Are they feeling like they are able to just get everything off their chest? Is it super loud and chaotic? Are your are your coworkers talking shit about their last client to you? Like, what are they hearing the entire time that they're sitting in your chair? Because the client's not only paying for amazing hair, but what they're leaving with in their mental space. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing such a huge influx of stylists going independent, like yourself and myself, yeah. who are in these really private mm-hmm. spaces because... It's also unfortunate too that these cultures are not really being captivated in a lot of these big salons. Yes. You know, and if and I, I get it. Business is business. We all have bills to pay, and I totally fucking understand. However, we have to remember we are a feel-good industry. The space has to feel good. The the ambiance has to feel good. The music, the everything, the energy literally everything Mm -hmm. it's not pump and dump it's not just turn them and burn them it's it's not about that anymore and not a factory line it's not right it's not a factory line anymore but yet i know i keep seeing it i'm sure you are too just these all these baby stylists i feel so bad for them they're just getting burnt out to shit yes because they're they're getting brought into this this part of the industry that's turn them and burn them and and then they find us and they're like wait a second Yes, I, I can provide an experience. I can be safe. I can I can do these things. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what the industry is actually about. It's not about just doing hair and, and calling it a day. Yeah, one of the so the first salon I ever went into, they were a, a combination of that, where they had the great thought process of create a good experience for the client. But it was like three to five clients at a singular time for one stylist. And they had three or four assistants working on all these clients where these assistants were running around like with chicken with their head cut off because we couldn't eat. We couldn't go to the bathroom. And the, the client was noticing it. The first one to two times is great. They have a processing room that we had um, mimosas. It was a wonderful experience. But then they started noticing that the assistants were getting burnt out, like you said where it was overwhelming. They felt like there was no end in sight because the thought process of that becoming them one day was terrifying to have five clients at one time where they couldn't take a break. They're like, am I going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life? And then we started getting social media, TikTok started coming around, that kind of thing. And it started coming around where this doesn't have to be your life. 
you don't have to quadruple book yourself. You don't have to work yourself to the bone where these old, some of these older stylists say still as day say, you don't have another choice to make money. This is how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. You set your pricing and do what you want throughout your day and you determine what you're going to make. You don't have to burn yourself out. What? So I have to ask, cause we could talk about this literally for hours. <laughs> what, what was like that moment where you were, you just, you're like, I need to get a grip on my career. And this is just not the way that I want to run it. Mental health is a really big um, uh, mm -hmm. thing for me. Like, when did when did Bailey basically become Bailey? Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so I actually have always struggled very much with my weight since getting into the salon industry. Um, and at that salon, I had had multiple things said to me about my weight and how I was not the ideal look for the owner's preferences of assistance and how I was not what she wanted me to look like and how I needed to start losing weight, going to the gym, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, and so my mental health was tanking and we were only working two to three days a week, but I was there at 8am till midnight most, most days and barely getting paid minimum wage. And so finally, the last straw for me was another conversation about my weight. I went home, I was living with my mom and my stepdad at the time, unable to barely make my own ends meet, even though I was not paying rent and didn't have hardly any bills, but still unable to put enough gas in my car to get to work. Another conversation about my weight had been had, and I said, enough's enough. Started looking for other um, salons in the area, and a salon that was not too far actually offered me a position, was going to cut my booth rent in half to try to help me out because he I had heard my story, and he's like, I want to help you just simply for your mental health and then slowly raise your booth rent to where it needs to be. Um, at that point, I had the conversation with my mom, and she said, Bailey, this is the time. You don't have bills what are you losing? You're not making money to begin with. Yes, you have about a year and a half of experience with the stylist who treats you like shit. Just fucking do it. And so in that moment, I decided enough's enough. At the end of the next work day, I sat the owner down and said, I, I'm not coming back. I'll work a two week. But after that, I'm done. Hounded me about wanting to know where I was going next because supposedly I was not going to make it in the industry. Here I am 10 years later, still doing great. But that was the moment for me of like, I can't take this anymore. I'm not allowing you to ruin this industry for me because I know that I'm meant to make something of myself. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. You gave me chills, dude. It was intense. It was intense. I've had clients that now are in the industry that were previous clients of that salon reach out to me and say, I could see how bad it was and I see how well you've done. And I'm so glad they've run out of business and you're fucking showing them up. Wow. Mm -hmm. She's not even in the industry anymore. Well, I mean, I thank God. <laughs> exactly. She was ruining it for these amazing stylists. Yeah. One yeah. of which that I idolized has left the industry completely because she was so like run through the mud that she couldn't continue. Right. Right. Just because mm -hmm. of all of that toxicity and that bullshit. Majorly. Wow. So, mm -hmm. so I, I've seen a little bit about it on your social media. If you want to talk about this. So 
her saying, you know, your appearance is X, Y, Z, and, and basically you weren't good enough, essentially. So when you, you became a renter, was that mm-hmm. when you were like, how do I, I hope you, I hope you know, like, this is not coming from like, I don't know how else to word this. Is that when you were like, I want to lose weight or like, what? Do you know what you understand what I'm asking? Yes. No, okay. I get it. <laughs> I you're what you're trying to ask. The way you are, damn it. But like, what is that like? What did that work for you? God damn it. <laughs> oh, you are fine. You're fine. So I actually at that point, yes, had started losing a good bit of weight, had started working out regularly. Um, and that is when I met my ex-husband now. Um, and we got married, had a great life, that kind of thing. And I started gaining weight back after that. And so a lot of people see my transformation since, uh, 2020, because I gained all my weight back and had actually hit three of five, um, where I was at that. Yes. And I had weight loss surgery in 2020. Um, and cause I was in a really bad mental space, um, and have lost about 145, 40 pounds since then. Um, but after leaving the first salon, I got it big into going to the gym, got big into like eating properly. The salon that I had moved to was at the time really good for my mental health. It slowly got toxic very quickly um, after that. But being out of that first salon allowed me to refocus on what my goal was, which was creating a good space for not only my clients, but myself. And if I can't create a good environment for myself, then I, the people that I love that I'm trying to bring in, I can't create a good space for them. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. A lot of my interviews, I'm always like, wow, wow. (laughs) You guys just, you guys just leave me speechless at half the time. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Holy shit. You know? Um, so you, okay. So you initially lost the weight and then toxic bullshit. It's so crazy. The toxicity, like that, that, okay. I'm glad that you're saying this because I 1000% agree. I with like the toxic bullshit. That is what, that's what ruins you. You know, ruins it. That, that, that's, that's, that's what ruins it. I mean, I also was married. I also got divorced. I also gained a fuck ton of weight when I was married and I lost yep. all of it as I started leaving him. And I'm like, wait a second. Yes. That's all I had to do. That's all I had to do was leave. All I had to do is get happy, damn it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all I had to do. That's all I had to do was like work on myself, like get in therapy and like you breathe a little therapy. bit. I love oh, I love yes. therapy. Um, so, okay. So now when did you start? When did you open the suite? And why? Why so did you open I the actually, you open So I was at the time working for a company that was flying me all over the U.S. selling um, hair extensions for um, this brand with stylists and doing like these little expos um, for stylists in the area. And I was at the time engaged and I said, enough's enough. I'm tired of flying all over the U.S. um, and I want to be home. So that's when I came back to Greenville and started my suite with a coworker that was also there, but we were both driving about 30 minutes to that salon. And so we both opened a tiny little suite in this building, but um, it was teeny tiny. Cause we we're like, we're just going to hit the ground rolling and see how it goes. Fell in love with this place, um, got into a bigger suite. And then she had been in the industry close to 20 years, I believe. And she's like, I'm done. She had a whole bunch of family issues going on. And so she decided to leave the industry and so I tried one other suite mate to come in there with me to see, to 
cut the rent in half because I was like, I don't think I can do it by myself. These, owning a suite by yourself, it's expensive and I'm still new-ish to the industry. I don't think I can do it. Could not stand working with that other stylist. Not saying that she's a bad person. I just We jive differently. It's hard with coworkers with your baby. Your business is your baby. And so I ended up having a conversation with her. I was like, I love you, but we run our business completely different. And I think our goals are very different. So maybe we need to go our different ways. Um, and so ever since then, I think it's about four years ago, five years ago, I have been in this suite by myself ever since and have absolutely loved it. Why do you think you work better alone? I'm bullheaded and I like things a particular way. I don't like having to mold myself to somebody else. I feel like early on in my career, I continuously was molding my style, how I interacted with people, the th the conversations that I could have with my clients to meet someone else's standards. And I don't want that. If someone is coming to me, I want them to come to me and undoubtedly myself. And here I can do that. If someone is crying, having a bad day, I want to be able to close my door and let them ball it out. But with someone else in the room, I couldn't do that. They felt awkward. They felt like they couldn't actually live these emotions and have this very personal relationship. Because originally I didn't want to be a hairstylist. I wanted to be a therapist. And mm. so mental health to me is very big. So I, me too. Yeah, I went to school for psychology for like a year and a half to be a development developmental psychologist. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> that's ironic. It's, anyway, it's a common thing it where is, like uh, some hairstylists either they go into it because they loved it from high school and they're like, this is what I want to do my entire life, or they're they weren't going to become a nurse, <laughs> or they want to be a therapist. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, every sorry. single time. I, no, you're I, fine. I had to blurt that out. And so. Uh, mental health to me is huge. So now that I'm in my room by myself, I can create whatever experience that particular client needs to have the best experience that they can have. Could you ever see yourself um, owning like a bigger spot and having employees or have you always, or you're like, no, like I, I think I figured out, I just want to be alone. I go back and forth. Um, for many, many years, I said, absolutely not. Never. I hate that idea because of the toxicity I've been a part of. But I now wouldn't hate the idea of slowly expanding um, where I get to kind of take these people and create my own little what is the best word for it? Just little little group of society that's like mental health is important. I, I want you to grow as a stylist. I want you to be the best you can be. And if you want to leave, absolutely go. And I love you. And I'm always here to support you. Like there's not enough of that in this industry. It's always, um, non-competes. And, uh, when you leave, it's, you talk shit about the stylist and that they were horrible and you can't talk to your clients. Like, I don't want that. And so that is one reason I've actually debated on one day possibly getting into it, but that's a scary jump. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was, I was just talking about it. I was on TikTok live before I got onto this live, this live, this interview. Um, I used to, <laughs> I used to own a salon and I, I loved it. I loved having it because I, my goal was safe space, you know, creating safety with my clients, creating safety for my girls. Everybody felt good. I mean, mm -hmm. we would get, we would get 
phone calls and text messages from our clients like, hey, can I stop by after work? And I'm like, yeah, you don't you know, pick something up. They're like, no, I just had a bad day. They would just come and bring wine and they would sit with our other clients and we would all just like yuck it up. It was incredible. I loved what I had created, but where I fucked up and I was just saying this on the live is I created the space, but when I left, mm -hmm. I didn't teach them how to maintain it. Oh, so it quickly mm -hmm. it fell short real fast. And I think that that's like, I'm glad that you're honest with yourself because mm -hmm. it's not that you can't create it. It's can mm -hmm. I, can I teach exactly how I want this to look like and sound like, mm -hmm. and will the people that are a part of this also see that exact same vision mm -hmm. where the safety and the, all of it doesn't go away. Yes. That it stays forever. And if you were to leave, if you were to take vacation, if you were to go on a trip of some sort, do you come back to chaos or do you come back to a well-structured area that is not because you're, this horrible person and can't have it another way, but because that's what they enjoy, what they love and what they enjoy coming to work to be a part of. Right. And that's a hard, that's a hard line, hard line to walk. <laughs> Especially it's, when you're saying that you're bullheaded or bullheaded, yeah. right? Yeah. And that yeah. You're, you like things done a certain way. Uh, that's exactly why I have to work for myself because I'm the same damn way. Yeah. And the because thought, if I do something wrong, it's on me. Right. And it's if you do something wrong, it's on you. But also, like, if you want to try things out, it's not as like, like, you know, the rewards and you know, the re I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain as much mm -hmm. as it, it sounds like a control thing. It absolutely is. 100%. Yes. Are you the oldest child? Yeah. Same. I yeah. think it's an oldest child thing. Yep. Where I expect, I just, I want you to know what I'm thinking sometimes. If yes. not, I'll explain it to you, but I want it done that way. Yes. And that's unfair of me to think. And I'm yep. fully aware of that. And that's why I'm like, do, do I need to do it? Maybe, maybe it'll work out. That's, Never know. God, that is, that is so true. And, and, and it's not like, it's not like you can't let it go. It's not like you don't want to. It's, you're just honest with yourself no. and. And creating safe spaces is still a kind of taboo thing in the hair world. Like not a lot of people look at, look at the industry as, uh, you know, in they don't have necessarily like this motive, you know what I mean? Right. So that's also what's terrifying, but realistically we have to break the mold in order for it to work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Things yeah. are always changing. We have to make it better. It's our responsibility as, the next generation of elder hairstylists to make sure that we're not passing along bad habits mm -hmm. because what we grew up in is hairstylists pounding in our head that you take clients from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. You're double or triple booked. You don't take lunch. You don't take time off and you never move a client. You do it for cheap and you do it chunky or you do whatever they ask without any kind of questions. You just do it. And that's not how we need to leave our industry. We need to leave it better than how we found it. Yeah. That's all. That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> you just, you just layered it all out. You're like, da, da, da. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh? That with the way you, are, you, you had that all worked out beautifully.
Sometimes so, it happens. It's very rare. Hey, when you're passionate about something though, it comes through, right? Like those, those things, those things yes. really start rattling off. So now, now I ha- I have to ask too, cause I, I like to, I like to end things on this and to get people thinking what's next for, what's next for Bailey Lavender? What is she doing? What's going on? Um, I currently in the near future, um, I am starting to get back into hair shows, surprisingly enough. Um, went to the Chicago one a few weekends ago. Um, we'll be in June going to premiere, um, which is a big deal for me. As- oh, you're going to be there? Oh, yay! Damn right. Um, it's a weird thing for me because the last one, other than this, this one I just went to, um, was premiere, was with the first salon I ever went with. And it was a horrible experience, not because of premiere, but because of the salon. And so little steps like that, getting into a better headspace about things and rewriting my story, I'm excited about. Well, I'm going to take a step back for a second. Can we, can we normalize, can we normalize being afraid of life because of what has happened in our past experiences with our jobs? It is so common. We avoid doing things because we did it with someone else and it was horrible. I was telling Meg. Meg was the first friend that I'd made um, out of the last salon that I was at. And I was trained to think, mind you, I'd been a salon owner for six years. I had, I loved people. I loved camaraderie. I loved creating connections with people. Mm-hmm. I was from a small area and community was really important for me. So then moving out to California, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, I'm a small guppy in a giant pond. So yeah. coming out here and and then kind of being told, you know, that the hair world, everybody else is terrifying. Don't be friends with them. You know, shun away. Don't create connections. It's not a good thing, you know? So now I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of the hair. I'm afraid of hair influencers, trying to creators, yes. other hairdressers. I'm a terrified of them. Yes. And it, it, it Why? Just, why why am i i used to fucking love people for people you're gonna connect with and they're gonna understand you better than other people why are we terrified of them why well, we are but we're t- <laughs> so fucking afraid and it's just because yes i i think a lot of it old narrative old narrative kind of weighing mm-hmm. down on us right because you, you said the whole orlando thing like you were you haven't gone because you've been afraid i haven't gone to hair shows because i've also been terrified from last mm-hmm. ex- past old, old, old experiences that I had. And also the I, the concept of meeting you guys in, in person and interacting and touching and, and laughing is terrifying. It's it almost crippling. Yeah, yes, almost crippling. Almost where I'm like, sell your ticket, don't go. I mean, I'm not going to, I, I already bought my flight. I, I bought everything ready yeah. to go, you know, but I I am so glad not this, not for us, but I'm so glad that there's somebody else who is also reputable and that, you know, is big in the industry and has these things also is terrified of her own industry because of past experiences. And and how sad that someone had that much control over our life that it 10 years, 20 years, however long down the road is still affecting us. Mm-hmm someone who should not have any space in our world currently 
still is trying to control us or we are allowing to control us. Mm -hmm. Screw that. Absolutely not. A big thing that I've learned too is I don't want to bleed on people who didn't cut me. Yes. So I don't want to project my own insecurities that have happened from the past onto these brand new experiences because as much as I crave the experience, as much as I crave the interaction and the relationship and whatnot, it's not fair to them because I know that I am getting better, but I'm definitely not healthy enough to say mm -hmm. that I could give them my all. And yeah. I'm an all, I'm an all or nothing kind of person. I don't half-ass anything. Mm -hmm. And there's that other, and it, it really takes like the little tiniest fucking baby steps to get yourself yes. out of it. But realistically, yeah, it's just, you don't want to like, as someone who's self-aware, you don't want to bleed on people who didn't cut you. Right. Well, and that goes for, I don't know about you, but I was trained to not be friends with your clients. Oh! <laughs> so you can't be, you what the fuck? But I know some of the coolest fucking people because of them sitting in my chair. And so I refuse to even let them be Facebook friends with me for the longest time until finally one day I said, if they try to use me, they try to use me and we'll cross that bridge when we get to and set those boundaries. But how, why am I ruining possible amazing friendships and bonds with these people? Because I'm scared. What? It is mind blowing. You can't be friends with your clients. You can't be friends with your coworkers. You have to live in isolation. Why? It is so isolating. And it's, who do you be friends with then? The what? owner? My who treats you like shit? This cup? This is my best Exactly. <laughs> because what? then you're going to overwork yourself because there's nothing else for you to do. And you're never going to question because no one else is telling you that what you're doing or what you're a part of is a toxic environment and you need to leave. And let's not forget, too, that how the fuck else do you make friends outside of your work circle when the only thing you do is work? Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it, when you're in high school or in middle school or whatever college, you become friends with people because you're in class together. Right. Because you are around each other where it's not like there is a dating app or a friends app that you can get a part of and be like, this is my interest, but blah, blah, blah. It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. You have to become friends with people you're around and that you drive with. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's almost like it's human nature naturally mm -hmm. to naturally grow a relationship with people that you are touching all day long that you are talking yeah. to all day long, that you share a space with all day long. It is a natural human desire and a natural human thing for that to happen. Have you ever cried over a client deciding that they're going to leave you or they were leaving the state and couldn't come back to you or whatever it was, but physically cried because you loved them? Oh my gosh, all the time. But we can't be friends with them? But, we, but but no, 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 we're professionals, we're providers. All we do is provide a service. You shouldn't have that no, emotional connection. No, absolutely not. Exactly. You have these connections with these people for a reason. You care about them. Why not allow them to know who you are? Because ultimately that is what creates success, in my opinion. Exactly. If, if someone, if Sally Joe 
you know, okay, let's just say Sally Joe pays a thousand dollars for her fucking highlights, right? Down the street. Best highlights, mm-hmm. best highlights she's ever had in her entire fucking life, right? Amazing and beautiful, but the customer service isn't there. She would much rather pay that thousand dollars, maybe get a mediocre job, but have the best mm-hmm. experience and that love and that nurture from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not to say you can't do both, but the point being is the natural human desire is connection. We all crave connection. We all crave human vulnerability. Human vulnerability is what creates connection. And that's something that we've been lacking ever since 2020 happened. You know, the big old C word that happened. Shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. Let's be vulnerable. Let's touch. Let's hug. Let's let's talk to each other. Let's let's be humans. Mm -hmm. Let's connect. Let's connect. That's it. Yes. Every other country allows time to not not be at work. It is not common for them to work themselves to the bone. Here in America, we work ourselves to the bone and are prideful about, oh, I worked 60 hours last week. That's good if that's what you want to do with your life, but I want to have more to my life. And my clients now love when I text them and say, hey, I'm so sorry. Something has come up. I need to move your next appointment next month, um, a day forward or a day backwards because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And they get so excited because they're like, you're doing big things. I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, because they get to know me as a person. They get to know my goals and my ambitions. And I do the same thing for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it. We're friends on a deeper level than just a client hairstylist type of relationship. Right. You you're invested. I mean, ultimately, when you're touching yes. someone like that, I mean, you're that's a really intimate mm-hmm. thing. Like pr- touching someone's mm-hmm. hair and doing that stuff is, is very intimate. And yes, I think, I think it's. I also think it's funny too. Well, I'm going to give one last point. I I'm switching. I'm cutting back to three days or sorry to two days a week because I just congrats. Like, thank you. I'm very excited. Um, I was scared shitless to tell my clients because naturally. You're like, fuck, every, every single one of them has been like, oh my God, thank God I was waiting for you to cut back. And I'm like, what, what do you mean mm-hmm. you're waiting for me to cut back? And cause they know all the different things that are going on and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show when you take that, take the mask off. It's okay. It's okay. And it's important yes. to feel safe with yourself before you do this. And it's important to, mm-hmm. you know, heal yourself, get help, talk to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's normal and it's good because the moment that I did that, I, I mean, granted, I was scared shitless, but as soon as I saw that they were okay with it and I know you get it too, that's when it, yes. it kind of reassured, wow. Okay. Creating these relationships is actually, it's a good thing. It's not, it's not yes. as taboo as it should be. When the C word happened in 2020, I can't tell you how many of my amazing clients reached out to me, Bailey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. They don't have unemployment set up for self-employed. Do you need anything? Can I get you anything? Can I Venmo you? Mm -hmm. And majority of the time I told them no, because thankfully at the time I was married to an essential worker. So we still had that income, but I had friends who were single and struggling. And then, like you said, those connections had these amazing people reaching out to me, just checking on me. Do you need gloves? Do you need masks? Do you, can I send you some money to help you pay your bills or get food on the table for the time being? Like, and without that, that was the only connection I had 
to the outside world other than that, my ex mm-hmm. because of the isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's really what saved you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did. That's what saved all of us, really. Because mm-hmm. I should say all of us that had a business model that was built on love and connection yes. and not built off of greed. Mm-hmm. Because, so I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, business owners I know that were greedy as all get out throughout that process. And then look where they are now. Exactly. Crashing and burning. Hey, man, if the shoe fits, lace that bitch up and wear it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just saying. Um, Bailey, if there is one piece of advice that you could give our listeners, what would it be? Allow people to know who you really are without judgment of yourself. People want to know who is standing behind them, working on them. People want to understand you and relate with you because so many people don't feel like anyone understands them. And if you are brave enough to put yourself out there, people will be brave enough to just simply sit in your chair. That needs to be on a t-shirt. I like how that sounded. I like how that sounded too. (laughs) Um, Bailey, it was a pleasure to talk about mental health and all things hair related, but also to just obviously get to know you and get to understand you. Because again, connections is what creates the best relationships. Um, Guys, if you want to find out more about Bailey, her, all her crap is in the, in the thing below. Um, This will be on YouTube and it'll be on, on, uh, Spotify, what the fuck ever. You guys know where it's going to be. I don't know why I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys want to check her out, please do. She's on TikTok, Instagram. She's on all the things. She'll be at all these different hair shows. I will have her send me all those details to give me more information gotcha. about that. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. There's one thing to take away from this is it's okay. It's okay to create connections. It's a, it's good to know who you are. It's good to take off the mask, man. It, it's just, it's important that you you have to remember that you're still a person behind the chair and you can't, you're allowed to create vulnerability. You're allowed to create You're. you know what? You're also, you're also allowed to cry to your clients. I'm going to say that too. If you're having a bad fucking day, dude, let it the fuck out. Cry to them. Let them know that you're struggling. It's normal. It's normal to struggle. Okay. Yes. Anyways, I'm going to end this before we go on another tangent. Um, <laughs> I love all of you guys. Thank you all so much for fucking listening. Stay tuned for another episode. Okay. Bye. I love you all.